This week's sponsor is Grease Medical Miracle Botany Emporium. We use science, herbology, and scenting spore technology to cure what ails you. No problem is too big, no disease is too small, no procedure is too dangerous. With our experimental, unregulated, protobotanical sentient fungi donors, we can bioengineer any solution. When things get fuzzy, call Grease Medical Miracle Botany Emporium. Side effects may include accidental electrocution, restraint by sentient tendrils, short-time violent allergic reactions, megaflu, new species generation, new benign organ growth, temporary superhuman abilities, and rash. Grease Medical Miracle Botany Emporium assumes no responsibility for unusual side effects. But call us and we can have them removed. This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit, you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music on our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing. Welcome to the 491st episode of the Misdirected Mark Podcast. Tonight we discuss making characters that are ready to play in your tabletop role-playing games. But first... My name is Jerry. My name is Phil. I'm Chris. And I am Old Man Logan. Welcome back to the show. Woo! Yeah. We just had a wonderful uh, one-off discussion that uh, you will eventually get to hear. It was During a, the break. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. During our break when we're, we're taking our little holiday hiatus-ish kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, let's start us off with the temperature check. See how everybody's feeling? I want to go first. I want to go first. Oh, Chris, first. how are you feeling? I'm fine. Go ahead. Awesome. I'm fine. I'm good. Sweet. Excellent. I'm pretty good, too. Anybody want to decide before we move on? Can we just screw this up in some way, shape, or form? I think we're good. Okay, let's go. Workshop! Workshop! We're getting ready to play characters! You need a character at the table right away! You can't be waiting around three sessions before you know what to do! You need something when you hit the table right away, and we're going to talk about it here tonight in the workshop. Don't suck. So, in playing games, I have often struggled with who my character is. I take longer than I want to determine what role and character arts I envision for them, and I know that I'm not the only one who has this problem. I've heard it from a number of people that it takes them multiple sessions to understand the characters they're playing. And if that's an issue in campaigns, how about when we get to one-shots and con games, yeah. where you only have four hours to play the game? How do we, in such a short time, make a compelling character that's going to help increase the enjoyment of the game for ourselves and everyone else at the Honestly, table? I have no idea because I didn't think about that part. But I've been pondering how to bring this, these characters to the table in a way that I understand Promptly. And that's what this conversation is about. Um, I have a methodology that you can try to help you go from blank slate to having a character that you understand when that first session gets rolling. And as I'm doing that, my podcasting companions will poke, prod, and question me while providing their own ideas on crafting characters, hopefully for one-shots, because I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there will be a shtick or two that arises. And let's face it, that's you know part of the personality of this show. So, where should we start? I think it's good to start with a game, you guys think? Huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. So first thing, I think you need to provide constraints. That I mean that lets us know what the setting, the initial situation of the game system is. Once you have that, the uh, you can you can do some stuff. And it's something that the GM should be providing, often session zero and sometimes before. Well, I don't think you can have a character until you have a game. Yes. Yeah. That's true. I was explaining why. That's good. This makes sense of the why, right? Setting, I mean, initial situation, game system. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've had players come to game systems, game sessions with, I'm going to play this character. Well, I haven't told you what the game we're playing, but I'm still going to play this character. I mean, it's okay to be wrong. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> yes. it's, don't bring your ninja to my pirate game, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you do, it better be a good ninja. Like, I mean, I've heard a good pirate always keeps a couple of spare ninjas in the village. Oh, man. So let's build an example game. So we need a setting, a situation, and a, a game system. 
All right, but what happens when you don't have two of the following? What if you don't have the system setting or situation? You only have one of the three. Uh, I mean, you need something. Yeah. I mean, although you did say, Jerry, people just show up with nothing. Like, I, why I, did you bring your mage to my uh, my my space opera? My, well, yeah. my space opera would be fine. My uh, hard sci-fi game. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, whatsoever. put a pin in that because I'll argue there's a way to do that. I sure. I'm, I'm I think that's it. why we, that's why we put this here. I think that's a good thing to talk about. No, I mean, I think it's fine. I think when we get in further, I can you can explain how you can show up with one idea and you know find you can find that idea in the structure and mechanics that are present. Okay. If I want to play wizard, really what we're talking about is, you know, somebody who kind of bends, you know... Reality. Yeah. So the what rules. is... Yeah, so what is that in, you know... Who's the rule bender? Yep. Yeah. yeah. What is that in the game you're playing? Yeah. That's like, a good I'll point. Like, I'll get you there. Like, I can get you there. Oh, you want to play the wizard? Yeah. We're playing Numenera. You can be the nano. We're playing Boom, Star you're Trek. Wizard. You're the engineer. Yeah, engineer's yeah. been the yeah. yeah. whole time. Yeah. Make new stuff. Good yeah. example, Phil. I hadn't thought about Engineer as the wizard. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, Bob is essentially the wizard of Ox. Yeah. I mean, not that we aren't all wizards in some way, shape, or form. I mean, form. I think that game is kind of a game of wizards. Yeah, right? we're just a bunch of wizards. Well, like Gree, I think, is bordering yeah. on Druid. Gree's, Gree's a Druid. <laughs> I don't know that I'm a wizard. Gree's bad scientist. That, that's how it goes. I'm like a problem solver. I'm, trouble. I'm like a rogue. Yes, you are. In that game. All right. Uh, let's pick a game. We need a game. Somebody pick a game. Game system. Game system. I don't care what it is. Numenera. Cool. Numenera it is. Thank you. That gives us a setting. Very strong setting. Do we want to slim it down to like some part of Numenera or sure. just, just, just Numenera in general? We're all part of a traveling city that moves across, so we're all going to be part of a neighborhood, so we're going to have some sort of setting. Our city moves constantly, so we're always going to be looking for resources, and as a result, we all know each other because we're all part of the same neighborhood. So we're, we're protectors, and we're scavengers, and we're constantly moving from place to place so that there's no set area that we're exploring. But we still have a base operation to go back to, so we have something we can tie on to as far as backstories. Now we have a situation, too, because okay. we're basically scavengers that are trying to keep our city from starving and running out of resources and whatnot. Toss it out to Gator for that good background, by the way. All right. Yeah. Uh, now with that, we have a game, and we can get into char creating characters together. But first, we need a definition from our definition. Our definition for tonight is concept, an abstract idea, a general notion. That's it? That's all I got? Yeah. Just one definition? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the hell do we even roll the bumper for? Because we love the bumper. No, oh, I mean, roll the bumper when we got some definitions. <laughs> definitions. Well, this is a definition. Yes. Some people tune in just for the definition. That, that's true. But it's also because that's all you need to start. I mean, we, we just need a concept, and the concept can come from a lot of places. Statistical stuff like your character sheet, uh, setting background, character goals, a desired playstyle, character needs and wants, your role in the group, character flaws, uh, the other characters around you, mm -hmm. the personality of the character. Am I missing anything? It's, I think you hit them all. Mm -hmm. Okay, I like it. All the high points, at least. Cool. So let's uh, let's come up with a concept for this character. We're scavengers on a moving island in Numenera, which is in the far future where magic is indistinguishable from technology, even though we all know it's technology. Okay. But what's our mm -hmm. concept? Anybody? The tech person who's good at identifying technology when they see it, like the look and feel of the stuff like comes easily to them. Okay. Like they see something sticking out of the dirt and they're like, you know. Mm, so they've got the Numenera be. skill. Is it the Numenera skill they have, or is it the scavenger skill, right? Because in the second set of books, there are those other three um, archetypes, and one of them is like specifically about how to um, 
tear down stuff to get raw materials? Oh. Like, are we, I guess the question is if we're going to, so we said Numenera, but if we're um, going into detail, are we using both books for Numenera? Because mm-hmm. the second book has those other, um, sure. Those other, both books for Numenera. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, so then, yeah, let's go with the scavenger that can then, then go, I'm go find its real name. In, uh, our, our Monty Cook friends are going to yeah. be like flipping out that we can't remember. Yeah, names so, of this. so we have somebody who's a scavenger who can break down parts. That is our character concept for our character. Uh, that's where we're going to start with. So now that we have this concept, you can decide what kind of characterization you want, which will help you decide how you want to portray them at the table. Uh, each of them include values, flaws, and a general personality. Phil, would you be so kind as to start us? But first off, we need a couple more definitions. Regale us with more definitions. Phil? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. Waiting for what? The bumper. Like, we're doing... Uh, you, you, don't, you don't get two bumpers in the show. Check your contract. Look, man, I tried. He said no. He actually, like, flat out was like, I'm not pressing the button twice. Welcome to Dissolution Panda! Fine, 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 fine. Here come the definitions, just disassociated from the bumper. Like, they make no <laughs> sense now. And I agree. But it wasn't me, it was... All right. Papa Bob. Value. <laughs> Value. A person's principles or standards of behavior, one's judgment of what is important in life. Personality. The combination of characteristics or qualities that come from an individual's distinctive character. Flaw. An undesirable quality in someone's character. I think we missed a, missed a joke opportunity there. Conan, what is good in life? Yeah, well, I thought that was implied for the value one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, static. Character that isn't going to change very much. Uh, their values, flaws, and personality you start with aren't really going to change through the course of the campaign. You're always that character. Think Batman, right? Batman's just Batman. Um, your flaws will always be your flaws. Again, think Batman, right? Like, you could just fix things with money instead of punching people, but you're <laughs> never going to, right? Because you're fucked up because you never went to therapy as a kid. That's true. Yeah. Your strengths will always be your strengths. Again, you have a ton of money, but you never use it for the right reasons. That's probably more of a flaw than a strength. And great, like, whatever. You want to be that character and you just want to play them because it's like putting on a coat, right? Like, you just yeah. like it. Um, that's the static character. It's again, my favorite hoodie. Again, think Batman. Yeah, some people think of those as iconic. But strangely yeah. enough, in storytelling, those aren't, that's not the actual definition for iconic. Mm-hmm. Iconic is, like, just well-known. Yeah. Like, like you, you see the symbol of Superman, you know what uh, that is. I mean, Batman. I would say Batman, Batman winds up being static, static iconic. iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But static. Uh, so let's talk about defin- or let's whoa. talk about dynamic. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? You're going to poach the last definition? I mean, technically it wasn't a definition. It just got, kind of got meshed in there. This is actually the characterization part for real. All right, fine. I'm just... It's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, just do your thing. You're also being rather difficult. Yes, I know. I'm just being part of my... I'm just being my character. Really? You're going you're gonna to play that card? You're going to play my character. Playing the, just, I'm playing my character card? I'm just, I'm just playing my character. I'm can I, can I move on now? Please, Ooh, please, please. Wow. So what your character would do? Okay. I feel like I feel like we got the the what people say about their character joke in there in, just in time. So dynamic. These are characters that can change over the course of play. Their flaws are a primary factor for the character. They drive them to make choices and allow them to have a character arc where they will change. In order to have a dynamic arc, the play at the table will need a few things. You're gonna need buy-in from the game master. Absolutely. Yeah. If you have no buy-in. That means the GM won't be able to provide you with the moments where your internal issues are challenged by external forces. Phil is exceptional at this. There are moments when the character can fail or even overcome the external obstacle at a cost, losing to their internal issues in the process until they figure out how to overcome their flaw. Because, you know, you don't usually just overcome that right away. Otherwise, there's not much arc there. 
Mm -hmm. uh, there is a variation on either of these, which is that you can go with, and it's simpler. Uh, Jerry, would you let us know what that simpler version is? Basically, you can just play a variation of yourself. Um, so you might want to do this because if you want to put yourself in the game, you might not want to, want to be like a idealized version of yourself. You might not want it to be exactly you. Uh, don't th you might do this just because you don't want to think, think too hard about your character. You want your character to be very similar to you. Um, it makes it easier to play. You'll be acting mostly as yourself. And you're not trying to get into the headspace of a totally different character. So how do you do this while still making it a little different? You can start out, first of all, by giving yourself a quirk. Something that you don't have yet, but a little different. You snap your fingers all the time. You're clumsy. You're absent-minded, whatever. Sometimes maybe just exceedingly patient. Next, decide on one thing about yourself that you want to be different and play yourself except for that one thing. You like, you're going to play everything about your character, everything about yourself except that you're, you know, exceptionally athletic or exceptionally studious or something in between. Whatever it is, start out with that as a character trait and it makes it easy to jump in the character immediately. That's always an interesting topic because there have been suppositions that we all, in some way, shape, or form, play some of ourself in our character, regardless of what character type we play. I am not a very religious person. I seem to always play the cleric or the holy man of some in some fashion, the the devout player or character. Mm -hmm. Somebody even suggested that maybe it was something that was missing from my life mm -hmm. that I was trying to get a hold of and using the characters to do it. I don't think it went that way personally, but it's an interesting aspect of characters. Is like how much of yourself is really in what you're putting out at the table. That's true. Definitely, 100%. There were even, uh, back in the early 80s, there were games like Villagelantes where you literally played yourself as a character. The GM gave you stats based on what they thought your abilities were. Oh, it's a bad idea. Oh, bad idea. <laughs> and then you played your character yourself and then gave yourself superheroes, powers. And that's how you got into the game initially. I'm actually playing myself in John's Final Fantasy game. Because like, yeah, that was cool. the point of it. Like we were isekai'd into uh, into Azoria, which is you know we all all the characters are playing a version of themselves. Cool. So it's interesting to play me, but in that world. That that was our premise for years. Was every our Halloween adventure was the players playing themselves, trying to survive zombie apocalypse, alien invasion, slasher film, whatever. Inevitably, most of the player characters died, which is always fun to watch yourself die in a game. But it gives you a start to it gives you something to start with. Um, even in that case, though, people tended to play idealized versions of themselves, definitely more heroic versions of themselves in most cases, which is something that might be a good start. Maybe it's yourself but more heroic or more selfless or something like that. Yeah. It's a good start. That was good. Why don't uh, Why don't we move on to our break, uh, Bob? Why don't you tell us about another show in the Misdirected Mark Network? Yeah, let's talk about the Gnome Cast. If you haven't listened to it, you got to go check it out. Several gnomes from Gnome Stew get together to talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you. And, of course, to avoid being thrown in the stew pot, because who wants to get thrown in the stew? Also, don't forget, we have a Patreon, and we would really, really enjoy it if we would get more patrons. Because you get access to cool stuff, and it also helps us out. Also, you get access to the Slack Room for Life, which is um, pretty much where, what, over 100? There's over 100 people together. in there, yeah. yeah. Get together, we talk daily about... Uh, topics and geek stuff and sci-fi stuff and we've had watch parties in the past and good community yeah sometimes just sometimes just moral support sometimes immoral yeah. support a little bit of both all right let's uh let's get back to the topic so let's talk about flaws and internal issues so i use the term flaw because we're accustomed to the term in role-playing games what i'm really referring to is the idea of the internal issue 
So this is your character's weakness. It's a flaw, a lack, a shortcoming, a failure, a dysfunction, some sort of error, a miscalculation, or a mistake that you have made in your past. This presents itself as an undesirable quality in your character, and it should cause friction between your character and the setting, or your character and the other characters. Now, that doesn't mean you should let it like wreck group dynamic, but yeah. it should be there. It can, it can potentially be there. In a lot of stories, it's some variation on egoism, which a character needs to understand, mature, and then take some humbling or cooperative actions to grow out of and then overcome. That is how you generally resolve your internal issue. And that often, like there's a emotional internal thing and then it manifests as an external action in some way, shape, or form. So when it comes to flaws, you want something that creates friction, but it doesn't piss off the table. Because if you piss off the table, you're just causing more trouble. Mm -hmm. What tips do you have for creating flaws that are going to make playing more exciting but not cause someone to want to flip the table. I'll just use Tam as the example. Like, Tam doesn't trust anybody. Not really, but that doesn't mean he doesn't work with people, right? right. So just because I'm a little standoffish and a little bit cold doesn't mean I won't do the work. One, it gives me an opportunity to get to know the characters better as my character, and then it gave me the opportunity to slowly come to take actions to trust the characters and then watch what happened from that. For instance, when I decided to trust Gree and then I got hurt for it, I chose to not trust Grief for a, a period of time after that and made it very apparent in the game. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting part of that dynamic between the Ox characters because you specifically went in there with that goal that that was a thing that your character needed to overcome. Yeah, and it was hilarious because every time I tried to trust Jerry, Jerry's character... Rolled badly. Yeah, and, and caused some serious problems. Yes. I think this also falls back to the old dwarf versus orc thing that used to come out of older editions of the game. We inevitably had the player who played the dwarf who was, you know, I hate all orcs, orcs are my enemy, and then somebody else in the party is playing a half-orc. When that happens, you have to come up with a reason why, and, and the good players say things like, well, I hate orcs because they killed my family, but, you know, Thorag over here, yeah, he's only half-orc, and uh, he saved our bike bacon a couple times. I still won't share a drink with him, but I trust him. But you talk about that between the players at the table first to set up that dynamic. That communication is part of it um, to help make your flaws less annoying at the table. And be ready to veto a flaw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, feel free. So as a GM, just say no. Yeah. I steal from my party hmm. when I'm bored. No. 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 Please don't no. do that. No. Um, you can even tell people to, you know, you don't even have to say just no. You can ask them to retake it. Being a dwarf hitting orcs is lazy. Try harder. Come up with a better flaw. It's that you know that one's lazy shorthand and stereotypical, right? So and generally not something you want to do in gameplay these right. anyway. But but the trick for this is going to be that you have to have the discussion at the table mm -hmm. about what your flaws. If you instruct your players during character creation, like oh, I want you to come up with a flaw, and you don't stop to go around the table, you have no idea what people have written down. Or yep. coming up with. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do this, you also need to have it go around the table because for just this reason, um, whether it's the GM says no or a player's like, oh, hell no, I'm not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a player, you can say no also. My yes. goal is to, you know, my goal is to ascend to the hand of Hextor. I don't want to play with evil yeah. party members in this game. Like, yeah. fuck no, I'm out. If like, somebody's like, my goal going in is that I want to ascend to be the, the, the hand of Hextor, but I want you guys to redeem me. That's different. That's a little different. Yes. And it lends itself to some great character-character right. interaction. But even there, you still have to tell them, but I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, it's going to spark a whole conversation. Yeah, right? you have like, to have a whole other conversation about it, but that's, yeah. that's, which that's is good. much better. Yes, yeah. yes. So 
This is great in a campaign. If during character creation, you should work this in as part of your character creation process, right? Go around the table. Let's talk about everybody's flaws. Um, if you're doing this in a one-shot, I don't know if you need a flaw in a one-shot. You're only playing for four hours. I'll argue that you don't actually that you need some of these things, not all of these things, to get away with a that's true with a four with yeah. and maybe because you're playing like at a con game with randos or something, maybe you don't want to introduce flaws because there's so, always the one person at the table that's not like the others that's going to be like murder them all, and it's like no, bro. That's like, not that's <laughs> not what this is about. Yeah, we, we have that problem. That, that's why when I whenever I run a one-shot of masks, I always. What is it? The delinquent or whatever the one. Mm -hmm. I, I always just, I was just that character doesn't even doesn't even make it to the table. Yeah, that's not a playbook you can play. If somebody says they want to play it, I'm like, no. The delinquent's a good one if you're ready to build some structure and some boundaries around it. The yeah. delinquent is very difficult with randos. And as a yeah. GM, you can also go around the table and just ask players a couple of these simple questions. Like, okay, you guys have got your stuff. Um, you know, what's one thing you want to accomplish before you die? What is what is your greatest desire? And what is something you're afraid of? Or some, whatever you want to use. Mm -hmm. Use different terms. And that's all they need because it's a one-shot. As Pien Senda always says, you know, this is a temporary game. So ride it like you stole pick it. Pick stuff and ride it. Yep. yep. But but ride it like you stole it doesn't mean be a dick to everybody else. Too. No. Right? Ride Correct. It like, ride it like you stole it because you're going to help everyone have an awesome time, even if your character goes out in a blaze of glory for the benefit of everyone else. Ride it like somebody else is paying for the insurance. That's the thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So let's I might be even more careless than that, that, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> but not diggish. What are the diggish actions that people take that you just don't want to engage with? Oh, the Kender, right? Somebody's playing don't, a Kender. Don't that's steal like, everything. I from steal from my. What are um, some other ones? Oh, anything with betrayal. Like don't you can just fuck. You can fuck right off on betrayal. Yeah, don't betray. Lying to players in the game during a short one shot. You can't have somebody who's constantly lying. I had without certain uh, limitations. Go ahead. I had a player in the D and D game who was. Raised by dragons, mm -hmm. their flaw was, and you would think at first level this wasn't going to come up as a problem, their flaw was like they still took orders from dragons. And lo and behold, fucking Sunless Citadel's got a baby dragon in it. it certainly and does. that character almost, be, that character betrayed the party and almost got murdered in the dungeon. Well, yeah, but yeah. as a GM, you, that's as a GM you have to say, that's a good idea, but I'm going to veto that or change right. it. Uh, other flaws, I'm a coward, not fighting. I mean, you better do something then. Like, right. You, yeah. Like, you can you not fight. Run around and buff people yeah, or whatever. But if it's like I run and hide anytime there's a fight, like. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. I'm selfish or greedy, and so I don't ever give out resources to anybody else in the party. <laughs> yes, I'm and, saving all this healing for me. And the other one, I'm the loner. I'm the lone wolf. I don't need anybody. I always operate by myself. These are all bad. These are yeah, all really bad. these are bad flaws, right? Um, They're just bad. Some of them are, like, clichéically bad. But really what they come down to is almost every one of the flaws that we've described disrupts group harmony. Yeah. Uh -huh. In one way or another, fails to contribute, fails to share, disrupts personal bonds. It is all of those things. Like, they're disruptive to party cohesion. Going to the old Palladium role-playing game, look at all of the traits for the negative alignments. Any of those show up as things people want to do. <laughs> Yeah. Am, I, am I right? You know, will not hesitate to stab a Listen, friend in the back. That kind of. Stuff. I got. I got some real ideas. problems with some other parts of that game, but he is not yes, wrong yes. about the alignment. Yes, there. So, but it spells it out. It's a good thing to start with. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to needs and wants. So when it comes to playing dynamic characters, you're going to be adding needs and wants. These are things that you will have to have along with your flaw. Characters in fiction often want something at the beginning of the story, but the thing that they want isn't the thing that they really need. The thing that they need is the thing that will help them overcome their flaws and internal issues. Got a question here? Sure. So, if I'm a static character, uh -huh. do I have a need and want? Not necessarily. What's Batman? 
Batman... He has one of them, right? He does. He has a need. He has a need. Okay. But his need is one of like, the same thing. No, no, but I'm... I'm well, I guess... I, I was curious if it was only dynamic characters have so, needs or wants, but I feel like Batman has a need so or want. Is, it's just, it is, just never changes. What is, Batman, what is Batman's value? Batman's um, value is to stop crime and to clean up Gotham City with his fists, essentially. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. To, to strike fear into the hearts of villains? Yes. I mean, there's there's actually a pretty good argument to be made that Batman isn't nearly as static as everybody thinks he is, but I don't want to get into No, that's that, fine. Right? So they, like, no. you're, yeah. you're not wrong. Like, if you're a static character, you don't necessarily need these things. If you're a static character, you pick, I, you pick one. No, really. I, I think you pick one, yeah, right? Like yeah. so, because I think what I think the thing about need and want, and I think this is the piece that ties into dynamic character, is eventually you get smart enough to transform from your need mm-hmm. to your want, like in the course of the Correct, campaign. That's the point, right? So if you're Batman, you just need a need and a flaw. Could fix this shit with money. Won't really the better then, the better the better example <laughs> for this is Corn from the the Dungeon World game. All he wanted was money to drink, yes, to, to engage in his vices. He wanted yeah he, right. He, all he wanted to do is, is barbaric vices. There's a there's a thing where you can change from being static to dynamic if you want to over the course of play. Yeah, which is fact, a thing we should talk about at some point. Yeah, and in fact, yeah. actually, it, it the reason he changes is because he acquires a want. Um, anyway, I just only because you said dynamic, I really wanted to just well, touch on that in case. It, no, it, yeah, I mean, a lot of people think of the word when I say dynamic, they're really thinking dramatic, but dynamic's actually the proper like literary term. Yeah, you could quietly change, or you could dramatically change. Yes, I mean, yeah. it's just about change. <laughs> change yeah. is the change is the important change thing. Is the, yeah. that makes you dynamic. Yes. In, in fact, most protagonists in stories are dynamic. There's not very many that are that are static. Yeah, like if we look at Luke Skywalker, his need is get off Tatooine. Right, he wants no, adventure. That's his want. His I'm want. sorry, I'm sorry, you're right. His yeah. want is that. But over the course of the three movies, what his want his, gives way to his need. Well, his need is balance. Well, I was going to say, what about saving his dad? I mean, but if you tie that under balance, that's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, I mean, he, he wants to redeem his father. Yes. That, is, that is a thing that he also wants. But yep. the way that he gets it, yep. the way that he gets it is that he finds balance in the Force and he actually inspires his dad to save him. Yep. That's really the arc of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And his goals change constantly. Yeah, which is I mean, good. Which is good. Yeah. And that—that's the point. Is goals, that his, his goals will change. Goals are different. Yeah, yeah, goals are completely different. Like you can find new goals all the time. Well, right? goals are the waypoints of your needs and wants. So, so like Ooh. here's the thing. They are. Yeah. Here, you're talking about Luke Skywalker. You want to talk about needs and wants. He wants adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And he gets it for five years. Mm-hmm. He becomes like he goes out and becomes a hero of the rebellion. But that does not solve the problem of defeating the Empire nope. and redeeming his father. No. no. It's not until he meets Yoda, and Yoda is basically telling him, you should not want these things. Like, you need to become a Jedi so that you can find balance, so that you can... I mean, they want to overthrow the Empire for their own personal reasons, but really what Luke needs is to find balance so that he can become an actual Jedi. And then that will help inspire his father who has like because you can't control other people right but that action of finding that balance when he decides to not kill his dad and throw the lightsaber away and confront the emperor is the thing that truly inspires his father to like yes. overthrow the empire if you wanted the that, yeah, that breakdown of star yep. wars mm-hmm. he eventually acquires a new set of wants and needs as like post-rebellion oh uh, yeah i mean which like, is fine because that's he's a dynamic character he's so, like he yep. He should grow and change. The, the, you know, we can talk about another tricky thing about characters. So, I mean, we should probably talk about it. Like, what happens when you what, what happens when you deal with your first arc, your first mm-hmm. change? You don't have to have one flaw. You can have multiple flaws. Yes. Each flaw is is an arc in and of itself. Han's initial flaw 
is like, you know, his problem, his problems with Java, he needs money. But by the beginning of Empire, he still needs to deal with Java, but it becomes like in, in Star Wars, it's she's rich, right? How rich, mm-hmm. you know, more than you can imagine. I can imagine. Quite right. Yeah. And then in and then the beginning of Empire, he's like, fuck it. I got my money. I got to get out of here. Yeah, these are, these but are he never does. Uh, these are really good polarizing yeah. examples because Star Wars is a, is a very in, in, I hate to say this because I'm going to get yelled at Star Wars is a very simple story mm-hmm. it's not super complicated it's no. easy to see the stuff I don't, yeah. I don't think simplicity no, is it's executed flawlessly correct simplicity my, is in my opinion the first, the first two, two movies two and a half movies simplicity is its own yeah. elegance anyway I'm sorry like, can you no, go back to wants and can I, you go back I, to I, wants I do I want to talk about the Han Solo thing real quick oh, yeah, yeah. because you're right he wants to pay off Jabba yeah. he needs to become a better version of himself that's that accepts the fact that he is a hero because yeah. he is yeah that's oh, yeah. what he is in his heart well i mean he saved chewbacca he's, he saved chewbacca yeah. he saved luke yeah. he stayed with the rebellion when he didn't have to he saved yeah. leia off the planet he went back yep. to get her yep. yeah like great he is constantly it's weird because he's constantly fulfilling his need but it always screws him well, and he didn't well because he denies it he did not like he denies like because he runs out to save Luke when Luke is um, out past the um, the outer marker right mm-hmm. like, and I'll see you in hell right like I mean again he's you know but he constantly like that's his thing right he denies it he, he denies it until denies Jedi it. and like towards the end of Jedi like he gives into it it's yeah. really weird because at the in the he could have died in Empire and it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. Because he had fulfilled pretty much everything that he needed to fulfill as a character, which is why Harrison Ford didn't want to like wanted to die at some point because he's like my character arc's done. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just here in Jedi doing stuff. Yeah, like he doesn't really have a great arc in Jedi. Just the, the first part of it he does because he finished. They they resolve the whole um, Java Java thing, which the other thing that he needs, which he already kind of had, was he needed friends. He didn't want friends. He just wanted the money. Yeah. But he eventually built himself his own surrogate family mm-hmm. that came and saved him. Like, it's a great payoff. His storyline, it concludes slightly after Chaba when they're in the mission briefing. And they're like, we need somebody to lead this, like, these ground troops. Yeah. General Solo. And they all look at him like, what? Yep. But that's, like, his moment. Like, that's the moment where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this. Yeah. Like, I'm in on, like, I'm... But up to that point... Those are their solid resolution of him... Yeah, 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 like that's that's the moment where he goes from being oh the roguish guy who like was in you know like in trouble kind of thing and now he's a general. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right. Yeah. Because they removed the last threat to him, which was Jabba. Jabba had been mm-hmm. driving him for two and a half movies. Mm-hmm. Once Jabba's dead, now they have to come up with something else for him to do, and that's a kid place where the play the they pers- didn't do a very good job yeah. coming up with something else for him to do. No, but they gave him something. No, I mean yeah. he, he could have. The, the player playing Han said, "Okay, Jabba's dead. Why am I still with this group?" Right, and he, it, it's not a great twist, but go ahead. He could have just stayed and piloted the Millennium Falcon yeah, against the Death Star. He could have, yeah. but yeah. he feels right. Actually, I, I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah. That's a really good point that he volunteered to be the general on the ground troops. Like it's yeah, another that's him like, because Leia's going. I'm, yeah, yeah uh, Leia's going. Also, I'm no longer a scoundrel. I'm the general, one of the generals of the rebellion. I'm, I'm no longer yeah. the pilot. I'm no longer just the pilot of the ship. Yes. yes. Right. So they. They remove him from the ship, which is funny because they later like roll that back and yes, well then because the ship becomes so synonymous with them that yes, and then yeah. in in seven the last Jedi, yes, not the last Jedi, uh, the Force Force Awakens, Force Awakens, yes, they roll it back on. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, you were saying, Jerry. I no, that was it. I just okay. I said that was a case of the player of the player looking at his character going, well, crap, I need to come up with something else. I'm gonna lean heavily on the fact that I'm a hero. It's not a great story arc, 
but it's a case of somebody developing a new... They a didn't new, need anything else yeah. for the last 45 minutes of that movie. Like I said, no. he could have died and it would have been fine. Yeah. And again, not to dig too hard on him and not to dig so deep into this, but as Jedi goes, yes, he's one of the main characters, but he's done. Like you said, he's, yeah, he's done. He's yeah. done, and they just they need a place to keep him on the screen. Mm-hmm. So the ground thing is great because we know we're gonna, you know, from a we're gonna have a big set piece battle with the murder muppets. I love the murder muppets. No, the murder muppets are great. Don't get me wrong; they're terrified. The most, the most terrified creatures in the. Galaxy. I don't know why the rebellion didn't scoop them up and just get them to fight the rest of the. Anyway, yeah. back onto travel. Yeah. Needs and wants. Look, I. I, I Yes, yes. Let's talk about that for a second. We, we just talked a lot needs about... Needs Where's my weed wagon? We talked about a lot of needs and wants right here. Um, yeah. like you have to work Good together. examples. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish off the, the thing that I need to say, then I want to talk a little bit more about it. Sure. If you work together with the other players in your GM, you can find those moments for your character right. that will highlight those struggles and eventually overcome them by realizing what their need is and then acquiring it through play, mm-hmm. which is what Solo did. How good must he feel in Jedi when everybody shows up to save him? An Striven elaborate to, plan. Yeah. I mean, like... Half the leadership of the rebellion shows up, shows up to undercover. save Han Solo, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. from like the most feared gangster in all of Huttdom. It's a, it's a big deal. If yep. you, if you don't really think about it until you like think about it, mm-hmm. like because it doesn't come off that way in the movie. It's a huge deal that they do that. Yes, because yeah. in reality, you would never let that many important people run an op like that. Correct. Yep. But they're in charge, so they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the thing that came up from this discussion that I that I need to highlight is like as a character. It's not just one thing that makes you overcome the, the thing that, that happens. And even if you do the thing, like if you go at your need like Solo does repeatedly, like he does it. I mean, he does deny it, but he does the thing that he needs constantly, which is become a hero. Mm-hmm. It still backfires and blows up in his face all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's the try-fail cycle in storytelling. That's how you can do it in a role-playing game, too, where, I mean, you succeed, you do what you want in the moment, but your overarching problem still is not solved. Yes. Yeah, and somewhere his flaw is... The fact that he keeps denying... Yeah, that is totally like, it. Because every time he does something heroic, he then says something when Luke's in the back to tank. He then, you know, gets annoyed with everybody. And he's like, I'm, you know, I gotta go kind of thing. Yeah. And then, you know, the base gets bombarded. And he's like, no, I gotta stay and heal, you know, and take care of everybody. I gotta, you know, like, it's over and over. Over and over again. Yeah. He takes off right before Yavin with all his money. But then he shows up he to knock out back, the... Right? Right, he saved know. Luke. Yeah. yeah. He got the drop on Vader. That doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it might be the only time that happens in all of Star Wars. Uh, in Vader's defense, he was super focused on the Force user flying at x Men. That's true. We'd like yeah. to, I like to think that, too, because it's, I, I'm, I have a hard time to imagining with all that glass in that cockpit, you didn't see the fucking sun blot out as the Millennium Falcon comes <laughs> scooping <laughs> down on you. Look, yeah. man, TIE fighters are deadly and devastating if you know how to fly them. And if you're Anakin Skywalker, That's what I'm saying. you're, you're yeah. devastating. Plus, yeah. his TIE fighter had... Had shields. It did. Which the other ones did not. Doesn't help you when a, st- a TIE fighter runs into you. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does not. Anyway, uh, anybody want to ask anything else? No, I think that's it. No, um, excellent examples, guys. So I'll say this because I'm about to play your game on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. I, without knowing everything about the campaign, right? I think this is just a general question, mm-hmm. right? You are sitting down. We're having this discussion. You're going to make characters. I need you to have wants and needs kind of thing. How do we as players, and I'll ask this to everybody, how do we as players when you only know so much about the game world? How do you kind of pick out your wants and needs? Like, what are you, what are the techniques you use when you've read a few things about the game? You've had so, session zero. This is a perfect opportunity for me to once again say, like, I never used to analyze any of these things the way we break the stuff down on sure. the show. I have learned so much about my own game as a player from doing this show that I can now think of these things in terms that make me go, hey, 
and question what's going on. So like I would have never thought of these things before. Now, thinking about it, if I only have a finite amount of what the campaign's going to be about and not a lot to work with, then I'm going to go with something that's more on the generic side. Sure. Right? Like, even keep it vague to a certain degree. What's my need? My need is to find redemption for the bad thing that I did or the maybe not great thing that I did. That's a decent need to find redemption, right? Okay. And it doesn't have to be super in-depth. You can flesh it out more once you get more about the about the game world. That would be the, the angle that I would take, is I would try and find something that's on the generic side that still feels like it's it's got some meat to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, we can we can we can tweak a little bit later. So when I'm starting the game, like the want for me for session one is way more important. Super because super much more important. Because oh, yeah. I just I need a hook. Yep. Like I need I need enough of a reason, like why am I this person? Or like why am I walking into this, you know, death trap dungeon, like the whole fucking mountains a dungeon. Like what would even make me do that? The need part is the part where it's like I might have a basic or rough idea of a need like you, but since that's the one that's going to be what I'm going to grow into in the course of the campaign, I almost like that to develop more as I get into the campaign. But the want is like huge for me as a player to be like, I need something so I know how to act at the table, to talk, to mm-hmm. like when to take action, when not to take what, action. What drives me? Yeah, like what's my motivation? Right? <laughs> but but I mean, all all joking aside, I want to come to the table with a character that can play. Like, as a character, not as, like, stats that I'm rolling dice for. So that want is, like, where I put all my focus. And like you said, you can make those wants pretty um, self-contained. I want a life of adventure. It doesn't... I don't have to know too much about the world to know that I want a life of adventure. 100%. Right? And it gives me enough to be yeah. like, cool, I can bootstrap this. I can bootstrap yeah. this character What's into that? the session. We're going to get on a ship and go to space? Yes. That sounds like adventure. Storytelling is pretty generic, actually. You just you just dress it up. I get fancier as we go. Yeah. But you jury guys? I don't. No, that's fine. This is my biggest problem is I don't, I don't normally have a want or need until like session five. This is a discussion Chris and I had a couple weeks ago where for years being the GM and being in games that rarely made it past four or five sessions, I never bothered having a want or a need because my character was basically expendable, which is also why I did reckless things because my character had no intrinsic value to me. If they die and I had to come with something else, that's fine. If he dies, he dies. If he dies, if he dies I'll come with something else. It's funny now, when you do reckless things, there's consequences and repercussions. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's, it, and so it's something that I need to learn to do, but I generally don't have much more than, like, why am I doing this? Well, because the rest of the party's doing it. So to balance that out for a second, yeah. in our social contract for our group, mm-hmm. we have a four-game rule, right? Right, which is four games, mm-hmm. and if we don't like it, like, we're, you know, we can, we can nix the game. I, you know, again, we've talked about this many times, four games, because I think it gives enough time to find out if the mechanics really are working, whatever. Mm-hmm. The flip side, it's because I didn't put wants and needs into the characters because I played too many games where I had something I wanted to accomplish and didn't do it. Right. And so I don't bother putting any, and I didn't bother putting any investment into wants and needs because I didn't want to be disappointed by not being able to accomplish those goals. That's why I like the super simple one. And that's how you do that. And right. And then maybe at like sessions, between session four and five, you're like, okay, well, I guess this game's going to continue. Yes, I should have a need. Yeah, like right. carrying the baggage of a lot of negative experiences with mm-hmm. you. So you have to basically teach yourself to... to or lack of experience. Or lack yeah. of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Bob's going to tear down the network yeah. here. Using my hands. And that's why I, what I try to do, as a, what I do do as a player, is I try to find a, a driving goal initially, a short-term goal, that has to do with the party. If it's a game that has something like 5th edition D&D, where like, 
Who's your who's your closest friend? Okay, I'm doing this because, like in Chris's campaign, I'm doing this because Bridget's character's there. I'm there because I don't want them to get damaged or injured. That's your want. That's my want. And that's a simple want. It's yeah. not a driving factor, but no. it's there. But that it's gives enough to get you in. It, yes. yeah. it, that want gets you to the table. Yeah. Right? And that's okay, right? That's perfect, right? Exactly. But, and we talked about this like 10 minutes ago. These are also things that can evolve and change, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. having that just initial, and if your initial want is as, uh, you know, I don't even want to say simple because it's actually a really good one, is just tied to another player, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah, these things can just disappear and change. Yeah. They are allowed to. Like, I mean, that happens to characters yeah. in fiction, fiction sometimes. I mean, you got to wonder what Karaman would have really been doing if he was an only child. I mean, his initial motivation in the book is like keeping Raceland, you know, alive kind of thing. So I think. We should probably get back to our example character. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go with a dynamic character. That sounds good. We're going to need some internal issues along with some needs and wants. By the way, our um, character class for this is the Delph. The Delph. Yes. And I had to go look them up while we were at the beginning of the and, show. And their shtick is they mostly... Um, They're good at exploring and breaking stuff down. Stuff? Okay. Yeah. So what's their flaw? What's their internal issue? I think I, I can reach that. Just out of reach. It's a little too dangerous. Like, oh, no, no. I could get oh, that. That's the end of Indiana Jones and yep. the Temple of Last Crusade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, because I think that's one that um, will open up some interesting opportunities, right? Like, well, let's talk about it as the re- like as as the hypothetical rest of the party. Are you guys okay? And I'm just I'm, I'm just yeah. taking the play. I'm yeah, just yeah, taking yeah. the character for a moment. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as as ostensibly a future archaeologist type character, yeah, that's okay. what Delver is. In a lot oh, of I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and as and as you a, don't find that like getting quite like it's probably going to cause trouble sometimes that you all might also get caught up in. As no, I'm looking forward to that. It's yeah. it's okay. it's, the, it's the same reason that a well played Kender is good to have in your party. That a person who understands how to play Kender, even with their I'm going to push that red button issue that comes up with some players, the ones who play them properly, um, I like playing in campaigns with them because they're going to drive story. They're not, and that's the thing. You're, this flaw Kender's a great rainmaker character. Yeah, <laughs> this this flaw is going to drive story. It will and drive story will. for the party and also give the party something to react to because when the Delver does say, "I want to reach for that thing," that's an opportunity for the rest of the party to react and have a role-playing moment of no don't touch that and the players may say things like we all, I, I look at him and say don't touch that but i don't actually move to grab him yet because i want to see what happens but i'm going to tell him not to and now you've got a role-playing situation going on and that's fun but, al- but also so now just you know yeah. playing this out as a session zero then i might say something like listen it is okay during the game that if i want to reach for something and it is way too much, way too dangerous, or whatever, you are allowed to stop me. Mm-hmm. Like, if yeah. you say, no, 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 we stop you, I will acknowledge that, I won't push it. As long as we don't do it all the time. Yeah. We need to let that character sure. do that thing, otherwise they'll never right. be a character. But there might be a time where, like, the whole party's busted up and, like, yeah. low on supplies or whatever, and if we overreach here, somebody could be seriously damaged, mm-hmm. and it's okay to stop me. Yeah. You don't want to spam the no button every Correct. freaking adventure. Yeah. The, uh... oh, there should, but there should be a no yes, button. Yes. <laughs> I feel like the need for this then is is probably something to do with that that flaw, right? Like mm-hmm. the reason that they do this all the time is because they have a desire to go one step farther, one thing farther because something that happened to them or something that they lost in the past that did the same thing, and they want to live up to their memory. Mm. I think maybe their one of their parents uh, was also a delver for the for the the people that maybe, lived. Maybe because they didn't go for it. And something bad happened. Oh yeah, didn't. We'll say pops. Pops didn't do the thing that they needed to do. They didn't go far enough, and that actually 
caused a uh, didn't get the uh, the island the, the resources they needed like to fill up the water. So there was a giant famine and a bunch of people died and they blamed it on them. So they're trying to like overcome their past. Yeah, there you go. That's like the that. that's a nice need. I don't know what the yeah. want is though. <laughs> or that's their want. I don't know what the need is though. That's that, I was, I'm sorry. That's where I was going with want. That that's their want. They want to disperse the memory of their parent. So what is the what is the the actual need then? Like that they the need, need to actually accomplish something worthwhile and get to and also get to the point where they're not driven totally by the accomplishments they make as a delver, but actually find some piece of themselves with some other sort of accomplishment, whether it's intellectual or uh, relationship, discovery. emotional discovery, something else that doesn't have to do with this, but is linked to it. Like, okay, maybe getting that thing and saving everybody with it is wonderful, but understanding it is going to be a different need. So the character is like, yes, I can collect synth and all that stuff, and everybody loves me for it, but it's trivial. Like, of course I can get that stuff. I still feel hollow inside. Right, I haven't done, I haven't done, like Jerry's, I haven't done the thing, right? I, I, like, people love me and they think I'm useful enough, but just because I'm useful because I can harvest synth and whatever and keep, you know, and keep supplies for the city, it isn't that thing. It isn't the thing that Jerry said, right? Like, that's my, that's the missing piece. Yeah. It's yeah. the thing that makes them at peace, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing they're striving. They don't know. It's not a specific thing, but that's what they're... Well, they got a hole in their yes. heart. Yes. Fill a hole. they got to fill that. Yep. That can only and, be filled by you. Yeah, it's, there's, no, there's nothing external that can necessarily fulfill that. It has to be something that they do themselves. Sorry, I'm just I'm still singing I know, singing you're singing it. a song. I love that song. Porno graffiti. Yeah. Uh, yes, and that's what also ties to their flaw, because they will always overreach if they think that that thing that they're reaching for is like some amazing cipher discovery, some, you know, thing that might, you know, help the town, whatever. Like, you know, it's... I do like that. I think and they always accomplish it, and it never fills that need. No. But I think I think, I think, think the nice thing about that, too, is if I'm, like, coming out with this story, is like, it's not about going out and getting something. It's about being okay with themselves and mm-hmm. the fact that they probably have, like, siblings, too. Like, what they really need is to be okay... They need to go do the thing, but they need to be okay with being a family person or being okay with just being a, a part of the settlement and not having to worry about what everybody thinks about them and their family and their past. Sure, and they're com- like they're completely dysregulated. Like they're so driven that they're just outside of all of that. They they can't. They're they're terrible at maintaining good relationships. Like they have a whole bunch of relationships and things like that, but they forget. You know, a birthday. I mean, they, this is already a character. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. They're just they're kind of a hot. They're a hot mess. Cool. And it's like you said, it's the thing that they have to get to is if they could strike, if they could strike inner peace, and be okay with themselves, and then they could be there for those. And other the people. actual action that Jerry's talking about is like they have to go back and connect with the people. Instead of being a hero, they have to be like a, a person in the community. Like yes. that's the thing that they yep. actually have to do mm-hmm. at yes. some point. Cool. And then, of course, if I'm the GM and I hear all this shit, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do some fucking timey wimey shit. And put this character back in the situation with their with their parents. Yeah, like, I'm I'm one hundred. This is the ninth world, and I can fuck yeah. with time. Of course, I'm one hundred percent. Like we're going to have that scene. How do you not? We're going to have that scene in game. I'm not telling the player that, but I'm on. There's an at a moment while the, you guys are all like, as the player is saying that, I'm sitting here with an index card going like this because I'm like that. That shit is happening sometime. I, I mean, I would actually have. I would probably give them an item that let them see like the ghost, the time ghost of their father sure. in the past doing things now sure. again. Then they're going to plug that into the bigger artifact that opens the time. Oh, that'd be fun. That's right? I'm just going to fuck this. Like, like, like that's ha- that shit. I've got a little check. I got a little 
box next to it to remind me it's a to-do, like to get this into the campaign. So so moving on from sure. that, Jerry, would you uh, tell us about the thing that I think will be really useful for people in one-shots and also for the character here, which is, you know, this next part. Go ahead. Yeah, what we have, we've talked about wants and needs. What we haven't talked about is the actual personality. Um, it doesn't have to be specific. It's of a general personality. Because coming with a general personality is going to help you understand how you're going to generally interact and react to the setting itself at large, whatever that setting happens to be. If you have a personality initially, the setting is going to be something you just react to. So if you're overly aggressive and cuddly, this is something about you. If you're analytical and thoughtful but kind, it says something else. A happy-go-lucky adrenaline fiend doesn't have to behave in the same way in a tense situation as the dour cynic. Even if they have the exact same skill set, characterization, concept, wants, and needs. You don't need a ton here to start with, though. Just one or two characteristics or qualities to give you somewhere to start. We just described aggressive, cuddly, analytical, thoughtful, dour, cynic. But it also gives you the, the player of a static character, another foundational piece to play off of when you want to make your choices as you go through. Just have something to start with and go from there. Can I jumble some of those up, like uh, dour, cuddly, aggressively cynic? Like, just, <laughs> those are yeah, really good. Like, yeah. <laughs> dourly, cuddly. Like, they're holding on to you, but they're just like, oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dour, cuddly describes, like, Half of the of the uh, goth anime protagonists out there. That's I mean, true. That's <laughs> I like I like that a lot. Thank uh, you. What about some other? Uh, like um, where do we where do we come um, up with these? Yeah, well, like what are some other other tips for coming up with this stuff? I just stole oh, Bob's line. Sorry, Bob. I got, I got the deck. I got that oh, deck. I got the of characterization deck. Short order heroes. Yeah, short order heroes. That fucking. Does deck. it just got that stuff inside of there? Is yeah, that, just, every on card there? is just a word yeah. with like a funny picture oh, on perfect. it. Just deal a few out and see what you like. There are, and there are lots of games that have, especially 80s and early 90s games, often had lists of these of these traits. Back in the old days when I used to over-analyze people's characters, I used to give everybody like a question, like, just fill out these questions about your character. Mm-hmm. And at the bottom I had, here's a list of 50 character traits. Pick a couple and circle them and then rate them 1 to 10 how important they are to your character. And some people would pick one or two, some people whatever. But I got that whole list off of something else. I don't remember where. Yeah. But it was just to give somebody an idea of what was important. You didn't have to have all of them. The mm-hmm. idea was just grab some stuff. Because I had players that had difficulty coming to the table with the decided character. So just grab a couple of traits. And there are lots of games out there that have, um, especially a lot of the one, especially a lot of the one-page games, like a lot of the Grant Howitt stuff, mm-hmm. where you're just gonna pick two things and rate one high and one low, and those are gonna be your character traits. They're, they're actually. A really good way to, really good thing for one shots. That that's yeah. why it's a solid yeah. thing to have for a one shot. Your personality, yeah. your general personality. Yeah. Corin, uh, Corin from the Airy Peaks um, had two personality traits in different contexts. If he was, um, if he was in town, he was hedonistic. He was all about his barbarian cravings and pleasures. Right. Mm-hmm. He was Corin the hungry, which meant there was no amount of there was no amount of sex, gold, or alcohol. That could, you know, um, satiate him. But when the money ran out and you hit the dungeon, he was business. He was serious. He was driven for his next score, right? He was basically, and, and that was the thing I modeled. When we talk about concept, he was modeled off of a functioning drug addict. So his, so his, so his calling card was Corin, business hedonist. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so like if you, if you, depending on the context in which you first meet him, mm-hmm. you have a very different picture of Corin. Yeah. If you meet him in town when he still has money, Corin is buying drinks. He is, you know, laughing. He's funny. He's irreverent, whatever. 
if you meet him in the middle of a dungeon, he's like a stone cold killer. It's like he had a um, one of those haircuts. Like party a mullet. Yeah, yeah, party yeah, in the town, go. business in the right. dungeon. He was, a, he, was a mullet. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a mullet barbarian. He's a personality mullet. But it was super easy. Like those were two simple concepts. But instead of sticking them together, mm-hmm. I, I split them by context, mm-hmm. right? So like depending on where he was, I was like, oh, I will now act this way. And there were some mechanics in Dungeon World where you could buy people drinks for yeah. information. Yep. So he would. But my goal was like, if I had gold on my character sheet, I won't before the next adventure. <laughs> so what are some what, what, what do you want to give this uh, character, this Delver, for a personality? I think driven. Everything we described, he seems pretty driven. So is that what does that mean exactly? Like, uh, so we're, we're talking driven, but he's already driven. Like, driven what? Well, I I think that's the problem, right? Like, he's driven, but he doesn't actually know where he's driving to. He's got all that tragedy in his past. He doesn't understand the thing that's going to truly make him satisfied. And he's running from the one thing at the other thing, but he actually doesn't know where he's running. He's intense. He's Yeah, he's intense and directionless. Yeah. There you go. That's a good two-word combo. That's a rough one, man. Yeah, he's a rough character. He's yeah. going to need... I mean, thank God he's going to be dynamic, because if he was static, yeah. he'll probably annoy everybody at the table. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's probably an I, important thing to I'm kind of... On the bright side, we've established he's probably good at what he does. Well, he's competent, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's competent... The thing is, people like him. Because he brings stuff back all the time. Not just because of that. He's actually likable. Okay, so that's that's another personality sure. trait. Yes. He's actually likable. He's too driven to get it. Like, he's only focused on this mysterious thing that he's chasing. In his slow well, a, moments when that's he's... A, that's okay, that's a third personality trait then. So he's he's driven, Yep. he's directionless, but he's also uh, charismatic in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. People, you know, like when he's... People like me. Yeah, I mean, he can't drive the whole time, so in the moments where he does come to a halt, or even when he's out delving and people are with him, like, he's good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people like him. It's just that he's terrible at being friends with people because he can't, he's terrible at the reciprocation part. So people like me, but not the other way around. Like, like I don't know how to interact. Yeah, he likes other people, but he's just terrible at it. Yeah, like, okay. That's well, a character. Yeah. That feels like a character. character. It feels like a way to interact. Yeah, and, like I, and I think the drama at the table is occasionally he gets called out on it. You're not being mindful of everybody else. Yeah, that makes like, sense. You know, that makes a ton of sense. I feel like those pieces together, the, the concept, the characterization, which is you know the static dynamic the thing, the characterization, which includes values, flaws, and general personality, those things, we can bring this character uh, to the table to play or flesh out some of the other bits, which can help clarify some of the other previous parts. I think uh, one of the most helpful things, though, to help clarify a lot of this stuff and probably the last thing we'll talk about is a uh, background because that helps you get in how you got involved in the game situation, which we already gave our character a bunch of background, mm. but you for know, a specific reason. Though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So a background is one of the ways you can reinforce the character parts, or if you're using it for inspiration as part of your concept, you can help discover the answers for some of the items that we've listed, you know, from writing a short story to bullet pointing your history or even game mechanics inspired life path systems. Like we use that for Ox. Uh, there's no shortage of ways that you can create the background of a character. In fact, we just did it. So, mm. you know, there we go. I'm a fan. So my personal preference, if the game has a system for life pathing, then I'll you know follow the system. But in a game that doesn't, I usually come up with the bits first, right? The concept, the need, the want, the flaw. And then I use the background for the why. Like I don't come up with a whole background like, oh, I was a knight of such and such, such yeah, and such. Yeah. And, then, and then come up with the other stuff. It's more like I want to be... This flaw, this want, this need, this concept, because I think those are going to be interesting to play at the table. Mm-hmm. Cool, now let me wrap a thing around it. Like, I knew 
for the D&D game I'm playing with Chris, I wanted, like, we're playing low-level characters, or we're playing, like, level three characters, and I just, this time, didn't want to be the 20-something-year-old character, you know, like, fresh from the, you know, fresh from the farm, blah, 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 because I'm a 50-year-old guy, and I'm just, like, 20 is pretty far away from my memories at this point. So I was like, no, no, I want to play a character who actually was a soldier, then retired and, like, was a blacksmith, but realized that they really want to adventure. And they're third level not because they don't know anything. They're third level because they're old and, like, they're slow and... They've been out of the business They've been out of the business, right? Like, they're just, they're, you know, out of shape. They're all of those things. Which, you know... I love that trope in storytelling. Which is me. It's one of my favorites. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's me. Like, that, like, when we say that you play parts of yourself, like, yeah. this was the first time I made a character that's my 50-year-old me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the person who wakes up and is like, why is my knee hurt? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It when just, did I whack my knee? Yeah, like, I, I just didn't. guess I'm just going to live with it, right? But gets back into adventuring. And then I was like, okay... I picked a few of the things from the background table on the, you know, for the, in the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, you made a mistake and got a bunch of people killed. I was like, oh, that's perfect for the soldier. Sure, yeah. I was like, oh, and then he, he, he died and was like, he was revived by a cleric and it freaked him out, which is why he retired. Like, so then I started like building the backstory to like all these pieces. And I was like, oh yeah, like he's, he's, he like, he was freaked out about like he died, but they brought him back. And then he was like, oh, I got to retire. Like, I got people killed. I should have been dead. I'm alive. And he tries to deny it. He's like, he becomes a blacksmith. And then he's like, nope, I hate it because his his want is he wants to adventure again. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so when this opportunity comes up on this boat, like, they need a blacksmith to make, you know, nails, tools, and stuff. He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. Like, he leaves his forge and he jumps on the ship knowing, like, they're going to get into some shit. And that ties mm-hmm. you into the resistance. Yeah. yeah. So, but they, like, so that's, that's, I use my background as the... Why need, why want, why flaw? Although you could completely flip it around. Well, I don't know. How do you guys? How do you guys? I, I would, depending on, on what my initial idea is, if something in the conversation leading up to the first bits of character generation sparks something like, oh, I really think this would be a cool want or, the, or whatever. If, I, if some piece stands out in my mind, then I'll grab it and I'll, I'll work that in. But if there's like a life path system, that you can work your way through, I will use that to generate ideas mm-hmm. for the other bits. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working my way through that table, you know, like roll a die, I'm like, ooh, that one looks good. Or if I look at the table and I go, out of those six things or eight things, oh, number five, that's the one. I ain't even rolling on that table. Yeah, that's what I like <laughs> in the Cyberpunk Red life path thing now. Every table says... Uh, roll a die or pick or one. Or just pick yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. so it, it really is like if it, for just that. Like, yep. oh, no, I want this one. Yeah. yeah, so I will I will definitely, it, more often than not, if there's a system like that, I'm going to start working my way through it. And as I'm hitting the bits, I'm going, okay, what can I do with that? And then when I get the next bit, I'm like, oh, those two things together. Is there some interesting meat in there? And then I'll use that to flesh out some of the other bits. Mm-hmm. First of all, I love life paths. I've been playing them for God knows how long. So I like anything with life path gives you some direction to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like anything like central casting. Janelle Jackways did the ones back in the old days that were sci-fi and fantasy. Those were big books that gave you all sorts of stuff. And you never tried to take everything that you rolled, but it gave you some direction. It gave you yeah. something. and often gave you things you didn't expect. Yeah. I never would have picked this and this, but now mm-hmm. if they're together, they give me something to work with. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of the background cards that are out there. Um, mm-hmm. they're put up by, what is it, Galileo Press, I think, does them? Galileo, and, Galileo Press. And background cards are good because they give you some sort of event that happened in your past. 
What I also like about them is that they can also be used to link characters together. Yep. They're actually supposed to be. They're supposed to. Yeah. But you, you can use them by yourself, but you can also use them for pick somebody else that might yep. tell you, you exactly. and person directly across from you, yeah. to the left. And a lot of the background cards also have a little bit of a twinge that are, what happened? And why do you like this person, or why did this person impress you? So it's not just a background for you, but gives you a chance to yeah. role play with. So it might be something like, Phil met Bob when they were both trying to steal the same item. Yep. So yeah. where was it? What happened? And Phil... What did Bob do that made you want yep. to adventure with him longer? And Bob, why did you let him do that? And so they talk sweet, sweet and ass. come up with, <laughs> yeah, sweet, sweet ass. <laughs> but, yeah. but you're gonna, that's not going to give you a personality trait. But what it's going to do is give you a, a connection. Yep. But that connection between the two will often, t- <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, 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 it, it, it was a nice connection. Thank you. I heard it was, I heard it was really sweet. Yes, thank you. Uh, then I heard it wasn't. <laughs> But it'll give you something that can that can often play off of, and it also gives a chance for you to basically table source. I wasn't yeah, watching. I swear. Sorry. <laughs> That's yeah. not the wrong one. Though. When, no, when it comes no. to cards, like if I ever get stuck, then having one of those decks of cards mm-hmm. that has like the, the the NPC information, the mm-hmm. traits, the situations, whatever, like I will be like, mm, let me just pick one and see if yeah. it sparks something. I'm also a prop whore, so anytime you yeah. give me tables or cards that I can roll on or pick. That's why it was such a harsh RPG thing to go from 80s-style games to 90s-style games when, like, oh, we're going to play a superhero game, design your character. I'm like, okay, what do I roll? Oh, no, you don't roll. You decide what you want. I'm like, I don't know what I want. You took my tables away. Let me roll How dice. How am I supposed to play a game without tables? Yeah, which, is, which is fine on both, but of course, nothing says you can't yeah. roll on those tables and then pick the things you like. There are people who like playing icons, and there are people who do not like playing icons. <laughs> like, that's yeah, the... Yeah. Yes. Jerry is in the likes to play icons where you make your super kit. You, everything about your superhero is random. You roll your powers, you roll, and then from that you have to make. Well, well, I do both now, but I but I like the idea that you can have tables out there. And there are books of tables. There are just as a, as a suggestion to GM and players, do a quick search. There are lots of blogs out there for people that do nothing but post tables every week. That is our discussion of getting players uh, player characters ready to go at the table. We hope this helps you come up with characters that you can dive right into from session one, or at least get you inside their heads quicker than you had. If you have any comments or questions about what we talked about here, you can email them up. If you have any comments or questions about what we talked about here tonight, you can email us at mmp at misdirectedmark.com. We really appreciate hearing how you folks overcome that barrier of understanding your character. Until then, let's move on with the conversation. You found the button so fast that time. Right. It was the definition must have one been that for some reason yeah. I couldn't find, but do the one thing. I like how nobody wrote anything into one thing this week. It's a surprise for everybody. Okay. Okay. So Bob, I, what's your one thing? I honestly I had trouble coming up with a a thing like I'm honestly like I got stuck this week for whatever reason. It was one of those weeks where Ox. There. Ox. We had an awesome session of Ox. I thought it was good. I liked it. It was it was one of those ones where Maybe didn't quite go the way we might have thought it would have would have gone when we first started. Mm-hmm. Um, our box heist turned into. Uh, There's still a box heist. heist. It was still a box heist, but we still uh, have box heist. We still did. Uh, we did a whole bunch of beings doing scientific marvels. Yep. I love the fact that you guys are like. There's like a. There's another ending that needs to occur, and you're like, yeah, we're just going to take off out of the system. Like, and I'm actually really okay with it because there's some scene that like should probably occur, but instead you guys are like. 
ah, we got what we needed from the, like, we, we got what we needed, we're just on the run again. I mean, yeah, we have certain choices that we could get involved with the conspiracy on the planet, but yes. we need more information before that gets blown open. So we felt like the best thing to do would be to take off. I'm actually okay with it yeah. because I was kind of stumped about how to bring that <laughs> whole thing to an ending. I was like, yeah. you guys are going to have to help me figure out how to do this. And yeah. you guys are like, we're going to run. Yes. And I'm like, fuck yes. We're not on the run again. We are still, still on, on the, the run. run. Thank you. The other thing about this game that <laughs> I <fair>. constantly <laughs> love and I will never get tired of Aliens is on the, run. the look on all of your faces, especially Jerry and Chris, when I go matter-of-factly, oh yeah, I already figured that out, or oh, I have this idea <laughs> to do X. That's like, you do? Like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Which is also how we both would react to Elf Arrow. Yeah. Uh, like when we, you know, said it like right at the end where we were talking about going through the jump can. I said, yeah, pretty soon we won't need that. I think I got it figured out. <laughs> I, I I was like, okay, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> I was, I, I think the only thing I was a little sad about was I was, I had one piece that I wanted to hit a little harder um, that didn't quite hit, which was the, um, the discovery of Ox's body. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted it to just be a little more of a, like, oh, cool kind of thing. But um, I don't know. I didn't read I, I didn't read it from you guys. And Chris was, like, working on a problem. So he had, like, the yeah. book out and wasn't really um, – he wasn't in the scene anyway kind of thing. And so it just didn't – But I, I think I – think oh, because I, I heard that they covered up a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. That's uh, what I, you're talking about, right? Yeah. No, no. The, no, when Ox finds the, – The reveal that Ox had a had an actual body at one point. Oh. And, and I think it, I think we all just kind of assumed that that was – I didn't hear that. Yeah. Oh, that's Because Chris was – That's the body we found. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah there, there was a the robot case. in the case. I yeah. thought you guys just made a thing. Like, I, no. Ox oh, was like, that's me. I, uh, I heard that, but I didn't realize what was going on. I thought you were just talking about the ship. Like schematic or something. It didn't have any reaction from me. Because I've been working on the idea of making Ox a body. Yeah, I thought so he just made a body so that, for so that's just No, because my idea was to make a, a hologram so that Ox could create a holographic form and come to a Shared solution narrative space, folks. And, and, Shared and, narrative space. Take this to the after show. And I was planning on using extra builder technology plus a little bit of spore technology from Grease Emporium. Which, why not? To, to, to make a body for but Ox. Let's be clear. There's no saying you still can't do that. Oh yet. no! I, I don't, well, <laughs> that shell, all of those, that no, shell isn't no. that shell isn't working. No, no, so no, no. there is one thing I'm pretty sure that as soon as Green mentions this, Tam is going to say no. <laughs> It'll be a moment of trust for you to convince yes. Tam to trust you that that, that, but that Polly is you know, the correct power source. That, that is always uh, that that could be. Any one of us that could be our one thing in any given week after we yeah, play. That's it. true. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate Sherry, it. What's yours? Uh, mine is Hellraiser. I watched the Hellraiser movie this week, the new one that's on Netflix, and at first I was not I was not thrilled with it, but I sat and thought about it a little bit, and our discussion on Saturday with John. Um, I'm a big fan of the Hellraiser. I, I love the books. I loved the first couple movies, and they made a movie for Netflix. They updated it, and if you're a fan of the original Hellraiser, it's going to suffer because you're going to be comparing it to what they did. And this is a, this is an example of where they tried to redo something and missed a couple places. But they did a really great job of world building. And I'm going to, I will definitely be watching the world building part of this show a couple of times because they explain not only the kind of motivations and world of Hellraiser, which is, it's a show. Into that. No, it's a movie. 
It's a oh, movie, okay. TV show. It's on TV. I it's thought it was a series. It was going to be this, made a movie out of it. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> they, but the other thing that, that happened with it was that they explained the human side of it, which I think was really useful, which is what does, the, the, the big bad in, in, in Hellraiser is the Leviathan, he's the god of, of, of their hell. Why do people bother constantly opening up this box to let these Cenobites out when they know what's in the box? And they tell you why. And they explain why. And obviously it goes badly for whoever does it. But So it's, it's not a big gore fest. Um, the special effects are good but could be done better. But the world building is excellent. And I would say if you're a fan of the Hellraiser uh, movies or the book The Hellbound Heart um, or the fan of the comic books, which were also excellent, Go into this with an open mind that it's not going to be as good as the stuff you saw before, but that they're going to do a lot of good world building. And it's obvious that the people who made this movie and wrote the movie are fans of Hellraiser. And that part of it's really fun because you come out of it going, that's really cool. I liked that. I liked that. I thought that was neat. Or, oh, yes, we just kind of assumed there's a buy-in to this that these people are opening up this box just because they think something cool is going to happen. And it doesn't. And this time they're like, yeah, they're opening up the box, but there's a reason. They think they're going to get X, Y, and Z, and it's not the same thing every time. There are several different ways to get certain things from the box. Mm. Um, there's always a catch, but it's there. Um, so I'm just going to say on the positive side of it, there's a lot of good world building. If you like Clive Barker stuff, there's some interesting things to see, especially when they get to the part of reading the book. Phil. Uh, my one thing was uh, movies. I, I had a four-day weekend. I took Friday off and I had Monday off. Um, and I just, I watched uh, two uh, great movies, like old movies, nothing new. I uh, was sitting around with nothing to do on Saturday and was just kind of lounging. And I was like, you know what? going to watch Ocean's Eleven. Always Fuck a good choice. Yeah, I just, I, I can't find anything it's wrong a great with movie. that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's and one I, of the best heist movies ever made. And it's so, it's just enjoyable. Like, okay. for me, I just, there isn't a part of the movie that's wasted. I, I like every, I love every scene in that movie. Um, and Let, you're right, it's like, as a heist, as heists go, it is so, as a plan, it's so, it's so fantastic. Likeable characters is a big thing for me. Love mm -hmm. the characters. I love I love every character, right? At different points in the like history of me watching this movie, I have fallen in love with like different characters at different yeah. times. Like I just I love it. Phil is, Phil Phil said the thing. It's it's one of the best heist movies ever made. There's no waste you in anything. I said it, but yes. there's no there's nothing wasted. The A plot and the B plot mesh perfectly. Mm -hmm. The it, characters are likable. The, the setting is wonderfully the music's presented. fantastic. The music was perfect. It, the cinematography is great. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, like nothing. Like I have nothing to say about. It. And then the other movie I watched. Um, it had it had commercials in it because it was on Pluto, but I was still watching it because I was like food was cooking, and I was like I need something to watch. Uh, was The Godfather, and oh. I know you guys haven't seen it. Never seen The Godfather. Seen yeah. it. Oh my I've god! One. Yeah, it is such a fucking movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's old, like it's from the seventies, so it has you know some it has some language that could be better or whatever. But um, it is, I just love it. It's a long movie. It's it, not for everyone. It's not for everyone, but if you, I mean, it's the quintessential mob movie. Yeah. Um, and it has probably one of my favorite climax slash endings in a, um, in a, in a movie. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's just, I love it. It's, it's a classic mm -hmm. and it was on and I was like, I was, I was cooking dinner and I was like, oh, Godfather. I'm like, I'll just start watching it. It was pretty early into it. And I was like, I'm like, oh. and there's, and so many um, actors. Yeah, the cast is Abe Vigoda. Yeah, and he looks old in it. Yeah, <laughs> Abe Vigoda looked like he was ninety in like nineteen seventy. I mean, and the, then 
that's the thing that messes me up. Like, Abe Bagot, when you look at him in the thing, you're like, I don't know, is he like 60 in this movie? And you're like, that's mathematically impossible. He was probably like 26. You watch Barney Miller and it's like, this fucker's still alive? What? <laughs> well, Barney Miller only takes place like... Or, or no, the they, those two overlap. Yeah, they overlap a little bit. But, yeah. but it is, I, I resolve that one night uh, we will... I have, I think I have them on DVD. We will slot that DVD and sit down for, um, it's no, it's not longer than, uh, I don't think it's longer than RRR. No. We're going to sit and watch it. It is. It's also good. I've I've seen all of Godfather 1. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen most of Godfather 2, but only in chunks. And that's all you need to... It's, that's all you need. Oh, I, thought, I thought the Godfather 2 was supposed to be good. No, Godfather 2 is good. Yeah. Just don't go past it. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't, don't, I mean, oh, no, three... Oh, no, 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 no. You have to follow up that with The Freshman. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, yeah. watching movies. Not a thing I do very often, and I had a good time. I, I, two, that's awesome. Two good ones. There you go. What do you got, Chris? So, by the time you hear this episode, there'll be a new podcast out. Not on Mr. Ector Mark, but just a new podcast in general called Coffee Flavored Horror. It is a horror movie slash TV show uh, review-ish, talk-about-ish podcast featuring GM Draymander and uh, a friend of mine named John. And I am sitting in the Bob seat and doing all the producing and helping with, uh, you know, factoids and things like that and doing all the editing. Where's the name come from? We just made it up. Also, it's Fair funny. No, no, there's more to it there's than that. There's more to it than that. <laughs> so Jerry hates coffee. So one of the tags for the for the the, the end of the, every uh, episode is like Jerry, would you watch this movie again or drink the coffee flavored uh, the horror flavored coffee? <laughs> so because Jerry hates Good. coffee, I'm glad there's yeah. a stick there. And yeah. anything, I love coffee for other people. For me, anything with an even remote and coffee taste, I can't I can't take it. Which is funny because then it is horror for yeah, Jerry. It is horror for me. Uh, and uh, the uh, so first two episodes will be and it'll be in this order because I decided this. This, this order is better. Is we're going to do Final Destination 1 and 2 as one episode. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Mm-hmm. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. If you don't Killer know what that movie is. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. So I'm pretty sure it was on Killer Clowns. Such a great film. Yeah, it is. An, yeah. That's listen, listen to it. We'll talk about why it's good, even though it's bad. Yeah, there that's you go. true. Yeah. Awesome. New podcasts are always good. Mm-hmm. All right. Time for some Patreon shout-outs. Thank you so very much to Jason Pitt, Gene Lorber, Jeff Stevens, Joe Rasso, John, M.T. Black, Mike Olson, Padme's Lover, Robert Dorgan, Ryan Bolter. Current editor of uh, Pandas and yes. kicking some ass on that show. And Troy Pitchelman. And thanks to everyone for listening to this. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can get more content like this at misdirectedmark.com where we have over... 1,300, holy shit. That's a lot of podcast episodes. 1,300 podcast episodes on our various shows. And if that isn't enough, our patron has hundreds of bonus episodes at patreon.com slash MMP. Look, you got a lot to listen to. <laughs> Get working. And those 1,300 episodes aren't just this show. We've got other shows in the network like Bear is Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonestone Obsidian, Pandas Talking Games, the Gnome Cast, Bonus Experience, the all-new Thacko with Advantage, and the incredible back episodes of She's a Super Geek. And if that still is enough content, I suggest checking out our sibling podcast, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the all-new GM Mastermind. By the way, The Knights of the Night are playing Dresden right now. If you like Dresden nice. Files, you should go check oh, it out. Oh, they're playing it again? They, They've played it before, right? Look, Tom has told me about his plan. He has a cam- like a campaign arc for every letter of the word Dresden. Nice. That's ambitious. So they're almost done. That's ambitious. Yeah, Dresden. He's an yeah, yeah. E for the F, the E N. That's There's only one more after this. That's wow. the, that is that is some fucking Marvel like long game. Yep. Yeah, like yep. that's hats off to you, sir.
God, I miss them. I haven't seen them in ages. I know. It's been a long time since I did the Flanagans. I play with them in Marvel Strike Force. I mean, we got to, uh, anyway, yeah. we got to do a thing where we get like a little yes. home con kind of thing going. Hey, um, before that character hits the table, leave us some feedback. Reach us directly using the weird old archaic email system, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. I swear we know how to use it because we're old. I just yeah. haven't seen an email from there in a long time. I'd love think, to see some. Yeah, I dare you. I dare, dare one of you, you to email us something. Um, also, hit us up on Twitter. The show and the network is at misdirectedmark. Robert M. Everson, GM Gerrymander, The Light 101. Where you can get your smooth jazz. Probably. Oh, yeah. I'm DNA Phil. Remember that Patreon we mentioned earlier with hundreds of bonus episodes? Yes, hundreds. If you want to support us and other shows from Misdirected Mark Productions, you can do that at patreon.com slash MMP. Your patronage will get you access to the After Show podcast, our show notes, the Bamboo Lounge podcast, and other special releases. This has been a Misdirected Mark podcast, which is the media arm of Encoded Designs, which I imagine will be seeing more stuff coming from them, from them and us pretty soon. Um, I drop. We out. One, two.